I am so delighted to see you all. Glad, the, glad you're able to be here. We serve a mighty God. We have the most amazing Word of God available to us. And it's, it's incredible how the Word of God never gets old, worn out, tired. No one in this building will ever say, oh, I've heard all that before. I've got it all down. I've figured it all out. Um, it's actually quite the opposite. The closer we get to God, the more we see we need God. The, the more I, I, I praise and worship Him in His service, it truly is magnify the Lord with me. Instead of being a part of my vision and a distant God, it becomes closer and bigger and fills my vision and gives me awe and realizes, oh, what a great God I serve. Truly, David said, the entrance of thy words bringeth light. I want that. It bringeth understanding to the simple. Nobody here wants to be called simple. That's not a very kind thing to say, simple-minded. But in the presence of a great God, it makes me feel simple. Oh, Lord, you know so much. You see so much. You are so much more than I realize. And I, I pray the Word of God does that to you tonight. I pray the Word of God just affects you that way. All right. So I'm excited. We're going to talk about transformation. We're going to talk about transformation. Pastor, the last two Wednesdays, I think he talked about um, interruption two Wednesdays ago. The last Wednesday, he talked about addition. I was listening. I thought, okay, I see a pattern here. It's Asian, A-T-I-O-N. I've got to find it, Asian. <laughs> so I prayed about it. Multiplication. Um, all kinds of weird Asians, civilization, that don't seem to work very well. I thought, Lord, I'm going to find one. And of course, there is one, transformation. It's fantastic. It's all the Asians. So uh, I'm not going to read a Shel Silverstein poem tonight about Asian, but I, that would be wonderful timing if I could remember it. All right, so I want you to make sure you get your word in front of you. I know I have a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of verses, but um, I pray that just is a flood through your mind and through your heart. Transformation is so awesome. Here's our key verse. Here's our starting spot. Here's the beginning. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen to the Amplified. Do not be conformed to this world this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed or changed. And, and, and this is the truth about it. For everybody in the building, everybody that ever comes in contact with Jesus Christ, don't ever think that the Lord is here just to encourage us to be unchanged. Every moment in his presence is really to challenge us and change us. Are we literally saying we want to convert other people? Yes, even ourselves, consistently to the gospel of Jesus Christ. There really is awesome pull of God always in our life. There is no point where we hang up the hat and say, okay, I got it, I made it, I checked the these boxes off. I got the Holy Ghost. I'm done. 
There never is a place where we say we've arrived, we're, we're good enough, we're old enough, we're big enough. There is a constant draw of the Lord because this world has a constant draw as well, doesn't it? Just think about a small stream that you may have paddled down at any point in your life or swam or, or been on one of those canoe trips and standing in the stream, just standing and facing upstream. There's pressure against you. Even if it's only waist high, it's pressure. It pulls against you. It doesn't take any effort all to float, but that's what dead things do. They float down. It takes incredible strength. It takes incredible character to say, no, I'm going to at least stand. I'm going to do my best to continue against this and go upstream. The Bible calls it the the currents of the air or the prince of the power of the air. There's pressure against us constantly. Be changed by the entire renewal of your mind by its new ideals and new attitude. Soon you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good, acceptable, and perfect in his sight for you. Listen to this. The NLT says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. You may want to underline think, because that is really where we're going. That's a big, that's a bullseye. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing. Philip says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold, but let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good, meets all his demands, and moves towards the goal of true maturity. So, so very excited about this because I've always thought that this was a um, opposites, contrast, and comparison, light and dark, on and off. Don't be conformed, be transformed. Don't be conformed, be transformed. Until I dug into it and found that that's not really true. They're not opposites. Conform really means conform yourself, that's your mind, your character, to another's pattern, to fashion oneself according to. Best example is when we had a Christian school. My father at that time, well, I guess he still has, has white hair, white hair and a rather large belly, and um, always the same kind of blazer, overcoat sort of thing. And for one of the skits, um, and I could put a picture up here on the board, but I couldn't find, uh, find that one tonight. Um, some of the kids dressed up like different things. Someone dressed up like Sister Harple, and someone dressed up like Brother Harple, which is my dad. So one of the young 16-year-old guys, you can see he has a flower powder in his hair. He's got a pillow in his shirt. <laughs> He's got one of, you know, pastor's blazers on, walking around talking like this, okay? It's ridiculous. It may be embarrassing for my dad. I don't know. Maybe not. Who knows? And it, it's funny to see it. You know, here's a 16-year-old kid looking like the pastor. Um, we, you may have seen this in some churches and some places where there's a very um, demonstrative pastor and young ministers that come up do the same things that the pastor does. Whatever that is, they sort of do the same thing. If he kicks his foot or, or put, points his finger, um, we know that happened in the Bible times. Sceva had uh, s- seven boys that uh, wanted to cast out spirits, and they decided to go to a spirit-filled man, a demonic man, and said, 
we adjure you by whom Paul preaches in the name of Jesus to come out of this man. They use the same words. They probably did the same things. They may have made the same facial expressions. But, of course, the demonic spirit said, I, I know Jesus. I know Paul. I don't know who you guys are. And that man leaped on the seven boys, beat them up. They ran out of the house. The Bible says wounded and naked. Okay, so conform doesn't really change me, you see. Conform makes me fit in with what I'm fitting in with. I can conform to you guys. I can. Some of us, you know, we find, feel that pressure to do that. I want to be part of the church people. I want to be religious. I want to act religious. I want to do religious things. I want to be here. That doesn't mean that you're transformed, right? That means you've conformed, but the inside is not changing, right? Now look at this word, transform. The word literally is this, metamorpho. That's a really funny word. To change into another form, to transform, to transfigure. We get our word metamorphosis from that. A change of the form or a nature of a thing in or a person into a completely different one by natural or supernatural means. This word's only four times in the New Testament. Two times it's in two different gospels about the transfiguration of Jesus Christ. And the other times it's about us changing or transforming. It's best understood like the caterpillar that goes to that change and becomes a butterfly. There is a powerful change that has to happen inside of us that begins to show on the outside. So much that people can say, I know who you are, but you don't seem to act like the person I think you are. The things you say, how you handle the problems in your life, the situations. Who are you? It's very much reminds me of them saying, is that the blind guy? Yeah, I think that's the blind guy. But he's not blind. He walks around different. He, this is the man that was blind. No, that could be. He's like him. No, he's not like him. He's the same guy. The bad thing about John chapter 9 is they called the poor guy the whole time the blind guy, even after he was healed. This blind guy, come on, he's not the blind guy. He's got a name, I'm sure. Nobody knows what it is. So there's a, there's a changing. Think about the transfiguration of Jesus Christ. What was it that the disciples saw? What was it that they saw? It wasn't him being conformed or faking or putting on something to pretend. Jesus wasn't pretending to be holy and God, and, and God in the flesh. No, what was inside him all along was now physically present outside. Now, after that, it shut back down. So much so that they said you wouldn't pick him out of a crowd. You wouldn't think, oh, he's the Messiah or good-looking or anything attractive or anything noteworthy or, you know, oh, that's a rugged, handsome, good looks, you know, like all of us guys have. No, not like that. Well, some of you are just so sleepy. Come on, get with me. Wake up. So it's important to understand this concept. Be transformed. This is something that happens to you and not by you. When I first read that, I didn't like it very much. I thought, no, Lord, I have to do this. But it's not by my power or my goodness, or my grit and determination. 
It's not me saying, I am going to make this happen. I'm going to be Christ-like. No matter what. I'm going to be like Jesus. and You can't stop me. It's not that. It's not that that gives you spiritual transformation. It's something that happens when I renew my mind with and in God's word. Something begins to change inside of me. The actions, the normal things I would do, my normal reactions, normal words, normal behaviors that come out of me start to change. Something changes in me. All right. So we must fill our mind and our mouth with God's goodness. It will lead you the Bible says, to repentance or a change in the way you think and act. Underline that. Think and act. Because it happens in that order. You must change the thinking before you change the acting. Or you're just putting on acting, right? Until, until someone is not around anymore or the pressure is off or the situation is off. You've got to change the way I think. All right. So how are we transformed? We're transformed, according to that verse, by the renewing of our mind. A renewal, a renovation, a complete change for the better. Romans says, there is therefore now no condemnation. Remember condemnation, the simplest thing I've ever heard in my life. Conviction draws me to God. Condemnation pushes me away from God. Conviction calls me to this altar. Condemnation kicks me out the door. Conviction makes me say, God, I want you in my life. Condemnation says, you're not worth anything. You're worthless. Get back. You can't do this. You're not good enough. Condemnation pushes me. It drives me from God. Conviction draws me to change. That's the easiest thing. There is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And, uh uh-oh, there's a condition. Don't you like it when the Lord puts conditions? Who walk not after the flesh... That means you have an option to do that. Natural man, my natural desires, my natural taste and appetites and what I want in me. But after the Spirit. Paul says, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. Okay, we're getting a clearer picture here. For those who are according to the flesh, that's that natural mentality. Remember, the flesh is really simply um, I guess we could say it, your own base desires, your own comfort, your own whatever just pleases you, whatever makes, you, makes your, your, your carnal man happiest. Does that make sense? And are controlled by its unholy desires. They set their minds on, that's super important, this is how they get there, and pursue those things which gratify the flesh or satisfy them. So they set their minds on that. That's important to understand. Because you can do this the other way too. But those who are according to the Spirit and are controlled by the desires of the Spirit, they set their minds on and seek those things which gratify the Holy Spirit. Do you see the difference? It's very, very powerful. You may ask yourself and may think of this, Scott, Brother Scott, are you telling me that this is my job? Isn't this God's job? And the answer is yes, it's God's job, and it's my job. Yes, God has a work to do. I can't do God's work, but I have a work to do that God won't do. If I don't do my part, God will love me, call me, knock. He'll send flowers and cards and try to draw me, but I've still got to respond. I've got to do my part. To the extent I'm doing my part, 
is the extent I work with him. To the extent I don't is the extent I draw back and pull back from him. To the extent I say, Lord, whatever you want, then I'm like the potter's lump in the potter's house that Jeremiah went and saw. And the potter had great design, intentions. It was beautiful what he was going to make. And something happened to his intention. And I've, I've felt that way in my life. Lord, I'm in a spot you didn't intend for me because of my own stupidity and my failures and my sin and just bad choices in time and didn't work out like I thought. But this is what the word said. You see what the potter's doing, Jeremiah? He'll make that again. He'll make it. He'll take that lump and make it again. Now, that has to have a supple, easy-to-use lump. If it's hard and refuses and fights back, then the Bible gives that another word, stiff-necked. That's that bowing up that kids do. I ain't going to listen to you. We do that to the Lord. But when, I, when my heart is tender and say, Lord, I don't, you know, whatever you want. I want you and not me. I'm not smarter than you. You're great powerful, amazing God. Do you know how great our God is? It boggles the mind. You have never praised him so high that the, word, that the Lord would say, okay, you've gone over the top. You've never described him with superlatives out of your mouth so much that the, that the Lord would say, okay, that's, that's probably too much. Do you recognize in our, that the, right now they say, to the best of the knowledge, that there's 100 billion galaxies I don't know what that even means. They say if we could get deep space equipment, maybe we could find 200 billion. But they say we're pretty sure there's 100 billion. In this galaxy, I checked this out the best I could research. They said we're pretty sure there's 100 billion stars in this galaxy. One online reference says we think there's between uh, 250, I'm sorry, 150 to 400 billion stars, plus or minus 150 million, 150 billion, which is another way of saying we have no idea. It's like, it's, it's like if you said, I've got to pay our debt off, how much debt we, we owe? Will we owe between 100,000 and 400,000, plus or minus 100,000? You don't even know. You have no idea. But you just say, let's just say there's 100 billion stars in this galaxy, and multiply that by 100 billion galaxies. And yet my father says, I call each one of them by name. I call them out by name. I, I can't even find that number. I don't even know what that number is. It's too big for me. Yet he says, I'm not so, I'm not awesome because I just do the big things. I'm also awesome because I do the little things. I know your name. I know where you're at. I know your situation. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. You recognize we have a God that's so wonderful. Why did the psalmist say, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Not because he is an ego boost and he needs me to make him feel better. No, because I need to realize who I'm dealing with. What great God I'm actually praying to, talking to, singing to. Wow, I'm trying to keep this as a teaching time and not get too emotional. But man, I like the word of God. I like it. All right, so where am I at? I've gotten through uh, Romans 6. Don't you know that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey? Whether it's, here's your option, sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Or, as Amplified says, do you not know if you continually surrender, this is that yielding, yourselves to do anyone's will, you're the slave's, of him who you obey. 
whether that's to sin, which ends up in death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness. That's the right standing, right doing, and right standing with God. Ephesians says this, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. And let the, it said the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Philippians says, let, or you can write the word allow, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. You have the option to let that. You've got the Holy Ghost. If you don't have it, you can get it tonight. But if you have the Holy Ghost, you can let the mind of Christ be in you. You can allow it. Let the same attitude, purpose, humble mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example of humility. First Corinthians says, For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that we may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. For who has known or understood the mind, the counsels, purposes of the Lord, so as to guide, instruct him, and give him knowledge? Nobody has, right? But we have the mind of Christ, the Messiah. And we do hold the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of his heart. We're talking right now, this entire passage section here is how is someone transformed? How is someone changed? What are you seeing as a string? Are you seeing connected pieces in these verses? It's the mind that's changed, right? It's the mind that's changed. This changes, and then this changes. The private changes, and then public changes. That personal time with God changes, and then outward stuff changes. What happens behind the, this, this lovely shape, you know, shaven, hairless head. It's not totally hairless. I do have eyebrows. Thank the Lord for that. Whatever happens back in here, then that comes out in the way I behave. Whether I, and sometimes it's surprising what comes out. I don't like it. Let's see. We're on uh, Galatians. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Wow. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 13, and make no provision for the flesh to gratify his desires. Ooh, there's so much wisdom in that verse. That means if you give your flesh room, it'll gratify its desires. If you let it, it'll just it'll lead you, take over. It'll just bind you up and you'll say, how did I get here? How did I get this place? Colossians says, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image that created him. Put on. Verse 11 of that same chapter says, it doesn't matter who you are. Put on, therefore, as elect of God. Now, hold on a minute. You're, I, I've got to get your attention because I hope I don't mess up the camera. But imagine if I've got uh, my, my uh, warm, wooden, my, my warm uh, winter coat that's out there, and I have that on me. And that represents the things of the flesh, things of this world. There is a putting off in a putting on. I've got to take it off and lay it on the ground and then pick up the jacket that I want to wear and put that on. Unfortunately, because I'm human and I live in a messed up world, a diseased world, a world full of sin, if, it won't take very long. I'll have the coat back on again. I'll be having the coat on and I'll say, what am I doing here? I've got to put that off and I've got to put this on. Don't ever think that this is just how I was raised. This should come naturally to me. It shouldn't be effort. I shouldn't have to fight this. Why is this a struggle? It's a struggle because the ways of the world come easy. And the things of God take effort. Find the verses over and over again. You'll start to see a consistency. Put that off. Put this on. Put that off. Put this on. Take that off. Lay aside that. 
throw that down, forget that, push that away, pick this up, hold this up. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes consistency. We've been talking about um, our, the power of our subconscious mind. Um, there's a lot of intensive searches we can do in the Word of God about mind and heart. And that's not really my focus tonight, but I just love the concept that there are things inside your subconscious mind that you are not normally aware of. What happens is, and this is a scientific thing, or you can even do it yourself in research, your body protects itself. Your mind protects itself. And the way it does is, protects itself is this. Every task, that's a repetitive task that you have to do often. It quickly moves it out of your conscious mind and into your subconscious mind so you don't have to think about it. You all drove here tonight. Almost none of you, except maybe new drivers in the building, if there are any, thought about how many turns you've made to get here. You didn't think about that, that alternate time between pedal and brake. You didn't have to feel and put your, put your hand on the steering wheel. Why? It's so bad that you can be sleepy and drive. You, some of you can say, I've got here and I don't know, I don't remember the trip. I, did I, I think, did I drive here, honey? Was that me? I thought it, I don't, it was you. What, what's happening? We put it back in our subconscious mind. Everything that the body can do, it does that. Put it in your clothes, normal work behavior, eating, taking care of yourself. It, there's a, it becomes, it pours over time. It takes time. It happens so strong that you move to a different house and you're driving and you start driving to the old house. Who's given those directions? It's very much like a huge boat, huge ship, rather, where there's a captain up in the brig, and he can see what's going on, and, and workers and guys down below who believe they know what he wants them to do. Unless he forcibly makes them to do it, they'll continue to do whatever directions they have, and they'll just run the thing right into, off the, right, right into a, uh, a dangerous spot or maybe destroy the the ship. Why is that? Because our subconscious mind has taken this on. It takes time for this word to get past here and get in here. It takes time. Unfortunately, I know lots of kids who were great at Bible quizzing, who got the words, but never got the word. Very good at memorizing, but it was just letters and words and stuff and information and statistics and things. It takes time so it becomes out of here. Because what happens is, I am perfectly great until there is a crisis. Then what's in here shows up. Oh, oh, didn't know that was in there. Then frustration happens or, you know, God forbid Jennifer and I get upset with each other. I read today that it's noted that married men live a lot longer than single men. And I thought, that's really good to know. But I also realized that married men are a lot more willing to die. Sorry, <laughs> I just thought that was, I don't know why she's not laughing about that, but I am. I think that's fantastic. Anyway, so, so it takes, that when you're in a crisis or something happens or a frustration or you're under pressure, then things come out of you you didn't know were in you. 
It takes, it takes some work to let the Word of God get in you. The Bible says the work is called meditating. It literally comes from the word to ruminate, like a cow chews on a cud. You find, it's disgusting to me, but I guess it's not to cows, that they have grass goes down into a stomach, comes back up and they chew on it, goes back in the stomach, comes back and they chew on it, and goes back again. Isn't that great? You love cows now and you think about them. You're chewing on gross stuff you already ate earlier today. Disgusting animal. But what is that? That word is the same concept as meditating. To chew on. It's not just to read. It's not just to memorize. It's not just to say. It's to chew on it. Lord, let this, what does this verse even mean? What are you saying to my life? How can I apply this? Help me to get this in my mind and my spirit that it really will be in me and not just statistics. I read a horrible story in the 1800s of a young man who was taken prisoner because the, his dad was the king, he was the prince, he was the heir to the throne, and instead of killing him, they just put him in a dungeon. He lived there for years till he died. Uh, it was just a horrible thing. The only thing he had to read was the Bible. That's it. Nothing, no, no friends, nothing, just the Bible. And when he died, years later, they researched and found that he had written on the walls of his dungeon all these things. The middle verse of the Bible. How many verses there were in the Bible? The middle verse of every chapter. The verse of the Bible that has almost every letter in the alphabet. Just every possible thing you can think of about the Bible. The shortest verse, the longest verse, the longest chapter, the shortest chapter. So the question was raised by the people who wrote this down. So, he, you know, he did nothing but read the Word of God all day long for, for like 20 years. That's it. And he wrote down every possible strange verse and every possible Indian verse and possible verse. So was he a Christian? The answer was no. No, he never believed. So what was this? It's just a bunch of fluff. See, that's not transformed. That's more like conformed. So we've got to get the word in us. We've got to get it in our life. I want you to understand your subconscious mind is not changed by this night. I'd like you to say it was, but it's not. It's not. It takes a while. It takes some time. You've got to spend time in the word of God. You've got to put the word of God in you so it'll come out of you. All right. We're here and still in Colossians 3, right? Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. Whoa, this is a lot to put on, Paul. Forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, do that same thing. And above all these things, put on love or charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God allow it to rule in your hearts to the which you're also called in one body. And be thankful. Let, allow, allow the word of Christ to dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God and the Father by him. James, therefore, putting aside, this is also putting, I'm putting that off, I'm putting this on. I'm putting it off, putting aside all filthiness, all that remains in wickedness, in humility, excuse me, receive the word implanted, ooh, there you go, which is able to save your souls. 
Wherefore, laying aside all malice and guile, hypocrisies and envies, all evil speakings, say evil speakings. Oh, we need to ask the Lord what evil speakings are. Some of you think it's different than what you think it is. Some of you think, well, you know, I haven't said anything bad. But have you? What does the Lord think evil speaking is? Anything that's not of faith is doubt. Anything that says, well, you know, I don't know if the Lord's going to do this or not. I don't know if he really cares for me or not. I don't know if the Lord loves you or not. I don't know if the Lord is really with you or not. That's not that may not be cursing, but it definitely is evil speaking. It reminds me of one morning I, I, I prayed this prayer and I said, Lord, I've had a, I've had a fantastic day today. I, I honestly say this is one of my best days ever. I've not yelled at uh, my wife. I've not yelled at my kids. I've not said anything nasty to anybody. I've not even eaten any chocolate. I've not wasted time on, on reading too much conservative news. I've not been out there just, you know, playing games or doing dumb things. I've, I've not had a bad attitude. But, Lord, in a couple minutes, I'm going to seriously need your help really bad because I'm going to get out of bed. And then I'm going to need, you know, I'm going to need some help then. I feel, I feel, I feel, those are my best, I've had great days until I get up. Fantastic days. Those are my best. So we have, we've, it's a, this is a battleground. I literally is a battle. They call it the, the battleground of your mind. This is a battleground. The worst thing you can do is pretend there's no battle. And just imagine that, well, whatever happens, happens. Whatever, God, God, you do what you want to do. And God's saying, no, no, it doesn't work like that. You've got to put that off, and you've got to put that on. You've got to actually say, Lord, help me today to see what I need to put off. Help me, Lord. And if you've told me before, tell me again, because I, maybe I didn't get it the first time. All right. So practical application. I love, 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 love this. James 3 is a primer on the tongue. Your tongue is very small in comparison to the entire body. The, I looked that up as well. Male tongues are about 70 grams in weight. Females about 60. That means for my body weight, at least, my tongue is less than a thousandth of my body weight. Little of my whole body. Little. But the Bible says in James 3 that the tongue is very similar to a horse's bit or like a ship's rudder, it can direct and affect the entire body, pulling on a powerful, mighty animal with a little bitty bit can direct that horse this way and that way and get, give it its head. Huge ship that can, that can take all these people across the water, yet controlled by that little rudder, the, little, the helm, just a little bit here and there. It, this tongue can cause death and set things on fire. Now, we're not talking about physical, but spiritual. Fires of hell, James says. It can produce life. It can bring a curse, and it can bring a blessing. It can be a source of sweet water or bitter water. Wow. Now, sticking your tongue out to the doctor, I've had that happen in the past month for some reason. Oh, I've had it happen twice now in the past month. One was a checkup, one was... I was deathly sick. Sticking your tongue out of the doctor. It seems kind of silly, but doctors can tell a lot by your tongue. They can tell without even asking if you're a smoker, 
if you chew, if you have any kind of a, a, a dental um, thing that you hold in your mouth, uh, they can tell if you have infection. They can, they can see if you have, by odor and by, uh, by look, if you have uh, particular things going on in your body. All these kinds of things they can see just from your tongue. They can, that is, a, is a, an indicator of, to them of your health or sickness, how you're doing right away. Your tongue is so tiny, yet it can direct this entire body. Now, the beautiful thing about this message in James is it also gives us indication that there's a way to direct your body. How can you direct your body? I, oh, I know an idea. It's not a bit in your mouth. It's not a rudder. It's your tongue. If you will make your tongue say things, you will inevitably do those things. For good or for evil, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. When I see them, I'm going to, oh, I'm going to, I'm really going to give it to them. They are making me so mad. I am so aggravated. I don't like them. I know they don't like me. They've been horrible to me. I can't wait to tell them off. I am taking my tongue and I am leading this whole body. I am. It's, it wouldn't be surprising for that person to tell somebody off or get into an altercation. Why would it be shocking? They're literally guiding this whole vessel. Check this vessel out. God is for me. Whether I see it or feel it or know it, God is for me. God's word said he is for me. He is not against me. I feel the Holy Ghost. I know it's, he's in my life. Even if I can't feel him right now, he's in my spirit. I know the word of God is true. I know the scripture cannot be broken. What am I doing? I am leading this vessel through this tongue. No Christian conference I've ever heard of instructs people to get a hold of their tongue with their fingers and pull it and direct themselves around. It never happens. Why? It's silly. But literally, that's what we should do. Imagine the captain or the guy on the horse, captain of the ship and the guy on the horse saying, I should just let this, you know, boat go wherever it wants to go. Let the horse go once it go. Let the wind blow. I mean, you know. Is there anyone at the helm? Does anybody have control? What do you do with that wild horse? Well, I know what you do. You take the wild horse and you keep him in the barn. That's not in the Bible. Nobody in the Bible ever, ever kept a vow of silence. Did you know that? No one in the Bible ever kept a vow of silence. I read about a corporate guy who became a Buddhist monk. He got sick of the corporate world, wanted to put his suits away and wear a robe. And they said, you can do that, but here's the rules. For, these, for this year, the first three years, you can only say two words a year. At the end of the year, you have two words. So, all right. He was a Buddhist monk the whole year. End of the year, they came and said, okay, two words. He said, bed, hard. They said, okay, that's it. Next year, no words. End of the year, what's your two words? He said, food, cold. That, that was all he said. Then third year, he came in, said, what's your word? He said, I quit. And they said, no wonder you've been complaining since you got here. Do nothing but complain. <laughs> it's important. It's important. I love my jokes. I don't know if you do, but I appreciate them at least. At least I really do. (laughs) 
And I love it when people in the, that I teach sometimes ask me about them afterwards and if they're real people. Man, whatever happened to that guy? I don't know. Hopefully he's serving the Lord somewhere today. I don't know <laughs> what happened to him. Oh, Lord. It matters what you say. What does Amos 3 and 3 say? Can two walk together except they be agreed? Okay. But James Vincent, you and I are going to walk. Where are we going to walk to? I don't know. We're going to walk uh, the trails. And Jim, James and I start to walk. But he takes off over here, and I'm going over there. Uh, no, 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 come back here. Let's talk again. We're, aren't we walking the trail? Yeah, yeah, but i got to go look at this bush, and then there's this, I saw a deer, I think, over here. No, 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 together. We've got to stay together. We're walking. You understand? There has to be at least a basic agreement for us to walk. It's impossible. Fast, slow. Uh, that trail, this trail, that direction. We've got to talk. How can you say you walk with the Lord and you don't agree with him? You say things all the time that are not in agreement with him. Bad things about you. Bad things about God's people. Bad things about life. Instead of filling your mouth with the word of God, you agree with the enemy. How can you say, I'm walking with you, but you don't agree with him. There's a man in this church. Um, I don't see him, so I'll talk about him. That's beautiful. Brother Larry, Larry Hutchings. He was uh, leading youth choir. I was playing the organ, I think, and <clears throat> we were talking about something. He said, I said, well, Larry, you did such a great job with the youth tonight. Oh, I loved it. Awesome songs. He said, well, Brother Scott, I'm just a, just a slob trying to do, or I'm just a bum trying to do work for God. Just a bum trying to work for God. And I said, you know, Larry, I said, you would never say anything bad about Pastor Harpo, would you? He said, oh, no. I said, I've never, I've never heard you say nasty things about Pastor Harpo. He said, Brother Scott, no, I'd never do that. He said, I said, you know, Larry, you wouldn't say bad things about me. I've never heard you say derogatory. He said, no, I wouldn't say that. I said, you know, there's a minister in this church you say bad things about all the time. He said, I do? I said, yeah. You call him a bum. He laughed. He said, oh, you mean me? I said, yeah. You're not a bum doing something for God. You're a, you're a great man of God. And, of course, when I said that to him, he's like, uh, I, I, I don't know if I'm a bum or a great man of God, <laughs> but <laughs> whatever it is. But it was, I didn't mean to be a rebuke, but in a sense it was because we say bad things about ourselves all the time that don't agree with God's word. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. You have called me from my mother's womb to do a work for you. You knew me before anybody else knew me, before my parts were even being found, before I was even born. You set your heart on me. You, you think about me. I am a child of God. I belong to the Almighty God. What am I saying? Is this crazy talk? No, it's the Word of God. I am agreeing with the Word of God over my life. You are not against me. You are for me. You are working all things out according to my good. You're doing a work in my life right now. I believe it. You know what I'm doing? I'm leading this body. I'm leading this body. And it sounds weird in our world because that's the pressure against the world. Everything in the world. Ask 100 people how they're doing today. Ask 100 of them. Most of them will say, eh, so, so far so good. As if they got to wait to get all the polling results in to find out if it's going to be a good day or not. When do you decide? At midnight? 
eh, eh, it was a mixed bag. It was a good day. Well, or very sarcastically, the guy I love to talk to in Brownsburg, the mortgage specialist who calls me, how you doing? Oh, living the dream. And I always say to him, well, I'm glad one of us is. Yeah, right. In this office early. Boy, our mouths, if we started talking like the Word of God, we would be so strange. I am blessed of God. Sometimes I come in this house and say, I'm blessed of God and highly flavored. I'm not sure what my flavoring is. Might be oregano. Maybe it's, you know, something spicy. I'm blessed of the Lord and highly flavored. Yes, I did say flavored, because I am. I think that's in the word somewhere in there, about flavoring. Okay, so what does the Bible say? It matters what you say or how you talk. Does the Bible say that? Come on, come on, Brother Scott, really. Does it say it? Is it in there? Are we just kind of making this up? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You have power in your tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. For by your words, Matthew, it says you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. Your words are going to condemn you or they're going to justify you. But what saith it, Romans chapter 10, the word is close to you. Nithy. It's even in your mouth and in your heart. That's the word of faith which we preach. People take this next part to mean a salvation different than Acts, and that's not true. But listen closely. Catch the meaning. If you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're going to be saved. That's the Bible promise. You will. You have to repent. Yes, you do. You've got to be baptized. Jesus saying, when you see the Holy Ghost, you will be saved. That's a Bible promise. How does that start? By starting to say things. I'm believing. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. He did die for me. If it was nobody else in the world but me, he died for me. He cares for me. What am I doing? I'm making my mouth begin to speak the word of God. Look at this. For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, ooh, you do need your mouth. Confession is made into salvation. Psalms, David said, I believed. What did that produce? Therefore, I have spoken. I believed, and it came out of my mouth. He said this, and he was wrong. I was greatly afflicted. In my haste, I said, everybody's a liar. That's not true, David. But that's what he believed, and he said it. He shouldn't have said that, but he did. I'm glad we find examples in the Bible of people who said the wrong thing. Let the words of my mouth, the psalmist says, and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Ephesians, let no corrupt communication. Wow, whatever that is, Lord, corrupt to you, not just to me. Proceed out of your mouth. Here's how the test, here's a beautiful test. Is it good to the use of building up? That's edifying. Does it make better? Does it make it better? Does it build up to the use of edifying? That it may minister grace unto the hearers. If it tears down, it's corrupt. If it builds up, it's, it's beautiful words. It's good words. Look at, listen to what the Lord said about his word. 
so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. I want that word to go forth out of this mouth as well. It shall not return unto me useless, ineffective, empty, void. No, it will accomplish that which I please, and it will prosper in the thing whereto I said it. That word is going to have an effect. God's word is so powerful. If he says it, it will happen. You say it hasn't happened yet. It will happen. It's impossible otherwise. If he speaks it, it will happen. I want to speak that word. It matters what you say. It matters what you say. And it matters that you say it. Some of us struggle with saying it, to speaking the word out. Well, I, the Lord knows my heart. I'm just going to think it or read the word. No, you've got, there's a power in your mouth. You've got to say it. Young couple, newly married, struggling with communication, sitting together, just a quiet time. He was on his phone. She obviously has something on her mind. The young bride says to him, George, would you say that my, that my eyes are beautiful, that I have beautiful eyes? He looked up from his phone and smiled and looked at her and said, Yep. It was quiet again for a while. She said, George, would you say that my, my hair is just gorgeous, long, and attractive, and, and it's just a beautiful hair, and it, you, love, you think it's beautiful? And he looked up and smiled and looked at her and said, yep. And quiet again for a while. And she said, George, would you say that my, my figure is attractive, that you're attracted to me? You think I'm, I look like a beautiful woman? And this time he really smiled and looked at her and said, yep. <laughs> and she got emotional and she said, Oh, George, you say the sweetest things. <laughs> well, George has a problem. He needs to talk. He needs to be speaking. If you're George, you might need to have some marriage counseling because that, that's not okay. <laughs> she's going to find somebody to tell her that she's beautiful and attractive. Hopefully you'll be the one. It matters what you say. Now, the wrong mind. If I am speaking the treasure out of my heart or what's in my mind, what do I do about the bad things in my heart? Shouldn't I just say the things that are in my mind? That's a great question. I mean, what does the verse say? A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. That's why... You can get around any human being in the world and just give them enough time and you'll find out what's in their heart. Eventually, it's impossible. It has to come out. So what if I, have, I feel bad about myself or feel bad about people or feel that God doesn't love me or feel that things aren't going to work out or feel that life's horrible or feel that it's another bad day or I, shouldn't I just say what's in my heart? Shouldn't I just say what's in my, in my mind? Proverbs says, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So here's the thing. I, don't, I do have two minds. I don't have two heads, thank God. I do have two minds. I have the option right now to speak in tongues. It doesn't take long. Just close my eyes, raise my hands, begin to think of the Lord, I can speak in tongues. I have the option to use the mind of Christ. I have the option to live in the mind of my flesh. I have the option to live in the mind of the Spirit. How do I know if this thought or that mentality or that attitude or this expression or those words or this feeling is in the natural carnal mind 
or is it part of the spiritual mind of Christ? The word we read already said, we have the mind of Christ. Can't I just repeat what other people are saying? Listen to James chapter 3, verse 2. James says, we all stumble, and included himself in that group, for we all stumble and fall and offend in many things. Say, I offend. If anyone doesn't offend in speech, he never says the wrong things. He is a fully developed character and perfect man, able to control his own body and curb his entire nature. There's only one perfect man. We offend. We say things we shouldn't say. We stumble. So what do we do with these thoughts? Can we find something we can speak, something we can test, a perfect example of what would belong in the mind of Christ and come out of our mouths? Of course we can't. It's the Word of God. The Word of God is my test case. I can use that. I can speak that, agree with that. Have the Word of my life. This is what the Bible says. Now you are clean through the Word which I have spoken unto you. That's His intent for cleaning. There's some stains I can't get out. They're not on the sweater. They're in here. How do you get out experiences that you've had where you've lost faith in people or situations? How do you get experiences out of your mind where things did not work out? How do you get these out when you've sinned and you wish you hadn't seen that or watched that or been a part of that or gone there? How does that, there's a way. The Bible says, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. There is something that will wash the stain of my mind, that will cleanse my thoughts, that will correct my action. Now you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. There's a word that gets inside here and will clean and cleanse me. If you're one of those that have a hard time going to sleep at night and you struggle, I want you to understand quickly that's not God's intent for your life. The word says he gives his children precious sleep. The enemy is a tormentor. He's the one that gives you anxiety that binds you up like knots in your stomach. He's the one that makes you afraid and fearful and worried. And what if, and what about, and who, and what are they saying, or what are they doing, or what's going to happen? He's the one that makes you think about all of the hurt you've had as a child and the evil that's happened in your life and rehashes the evil like a movie screen in your mind. If you're in that place, and that's who your mind, your mind is. I'm encouraging you. Get a verse. Get a, get a chapter. And do nothing but just say it to yourself. And, and say, Lord, you promised to give me sleep. Start speaking out of your mouth. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies, came upon me, and my foes came upon me to eat of my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Mm. The Bible talks about my, my brain right now. Lord, you know what's in there. I memorized it. You and I, we talked about this, but now I don't have it. It's like going bloop into like melting somewhere. But all that passage that I've just re- refreshed and recorded. Speak those words to yourself, and God will help you. It's not God's intent that you have fear and tormenting fear. That's not the hand of God. Wow. Mm. So all change begins here. And I know I've got a little, I've got another page or two. No, not, not even that. Half a page. I'll fly through this. I'll blitz through it. All change begins by believing that God loves you. God likes you. God wants to be around you. He is not pushing you away. He's drawing you. Yes, he is. Well, I can prove it in the Word of God. 
God love you? I think about the verse when they, sometimes the, a minister says it or it comes in a song about while you were sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. I think about that. I remember telling the Lord recently, Lord, you know, I was five years old when I got the Holy Ghost. When I was baptized, I was five. I, I know I repented, but I don't think the list was very long. I don't know that I had a whole lot to repent from. And I've had much worse times in my life since then and distance from you, and disobedience to you, and not listening. And the Lord helped me to realize, he didn't just die for me at that moment. He died for me at my lowest moment. When I was at the worst, the Lord said, I, 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 I'll give myself in place for you. Whatever the bottom is, that, then, then the Lord says, I'll take that spot. I'll take that spot. Yes, I will. Think about the enemy, the enemy of our souls would never reject any of you who walk out the door and say, I'm giving myself to the devil. He would never say, oh, no, wait a minute, you've just been in church. You're too clean for me. You'll mess up my kingdom. You just read the Bible like yesterday. No, I can't, no, I can't, I can't take you. No. Yet we struggle to believe God accepts us at our ugliest, at our hurts. We struggle to believe God loves us no matter what. God cares for you so much. It's, it's incredible. It's amazing. Oh, thank you, Lord, for that. Here's Romans 2 and 4 says, Don't you realize it's his loving kindness that's trying to lead you to change the way you think and act? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering? Don't you know the goodness of God leads you to Repentance. That's the change. Change is a gift from God. This change is a gift from God. Repentance is a gift from God. The word says so. Don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Woo. God is not mad at you. God is mad about you. God is not looking for a way to destroy the Ninevites in Jonah. No, not in that book. He was looking for a way to forgive them and restore them. God is not trying to crush you or hit you with a hammer for your evil ways. Instead, he's trying to call you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He outrageously loves you. His thoughts are toward you continually. That's in the Psalms. It's his good pleasure in Luke to give you the kingdom. It makes him extremely happy. <laughs> your father wants to give you good things, and he delights in giving you the Holy Ghost. Those are just a few things I found in the Word of God. Wow. You should say those things to yourself. Look yourself in the mirror and say, you are called of God. You are anointed of God. Yes, I'm talking to you in the mirror. God loves you. God loves you. God cares about you. God knows who you really are and still loves you. God sees you at your ugliest, most disgusting, sinful thing and still loves you. Wow, that's the Word of God. No more condemnation. Romans 14, 22. Listen to this in the New King James Version. Happy is he who does not condemn himself by what he approves. I, I want to find a happy person. The happy person is those who are not condemning themselves. Some of you in this building are your own judge and jury. Nobody is as harsh on you as you are. Nobody is as mean to you as you are. Nobody says you're as rotten as you do. Nobody talks to you the way you talk to you. 
Matter of fact, most of your speech, your self-speech is negative. It's demeaning. It's judging. I'm not saying you should just say, well, it doesn't matter what I do. But you need to agree with the word of God about who you are. Get your mouth. Take that ugliness out and put the word of God in your mouth. God loves me. God's hands on my life. God's for me. God is not wanting to hit me with a hammer. If God wanted to take you out, he could do that easily. Don't you understand? You could have been the baptistry and slipped, and they could have held you down longer. And then you could have been just been in heaven. Some of you think, man, I wish that would have happened. No, I hope you don't think that. Recognize your value to him. The value of a painting is not the materials, how much it costs for the wood that's on the frame and the in the in the in the actual the backing itself and the painting that's not the value the value is what someone would pay for it or what they would give up to have it think about what he gave up to have you think about what Jesus laid down to have you that's how valuable you are you're the opposite of worthless you're valuable you're incredibly valuable you matter more to him than anything on this planet no, no, nothing here will even last, but you'll last because you're valuable to him. Wow. Feelings follow thoughts. So flood your mind with how much the Lord loves you. But God, Ephesians 2 and 4, who is rich in mercy. He's got the mercy corner market. market. He's got market cornered. He's got it. He owns mercy. He owns bushels full of mercy. For his great love wherewith he loved us. Consider his track record. Blessed be the Lord who hath given rest unto his people Israel according to all that he has promised. There hath not failed one word, say one word, of all his good promise, which he promised at the hand of Moses' his servant. Not a word has failed. Not a word has failed. What am I wanting you to do? I'm wanting you to be transformed. I'm wanting you to experience a transformation. How am I going to have you do that? Make your mouth agree with the word of God and start to say in the morning, take a little prescription, write it down and say, Dr. Scott, put a little prescription thing on there. Must take three verses by mouth before starting the day. Write it out. Just a phrase and say, Lord, I'm going to put this in my life. I'm going to put this in my mouth. Put this in my, and you know what? Something will change. It'll take time. For it to get into the subconscious, it'll take some time, but it'll start to come out. You'll start to think that way. You'll start to behave that way. You'll start to think it's odd not to be that way. Some of you have, how many of you have been in church less than 10 years? How many in church less than five years? Anybody? Five years? It, it, takes, it takes a while. It takes a while, but there's, there are some of you and some of you others would say, I have friends that say, I don't, I know who you, what you look like. But you seem different. You seem so different. Is that true? That, that's a beautiful thing. It's, a call, it's called the changing of the, of the Holy Ghost in our lives. It's the Word of God. It does something to us. It changes us day by day by day. It takes some time. We've got to get the Word of God. But here's the incredible thing. There is power in the Word of God. There is power. There is power for miraculous there's power for healing. There's power for deliverance. There's power for manifestation of the Spirit. But the Word talks about there being power in my tongue. I speak some of these things into existence. I have God-like powers. I do. He made me in His image. 
I'm not God. I can't control God. I can bring life into the world. I brought four with my wife's help, of course. But even more than that, I can bring things in the world with my mouth. I can create things in my own. Now, I, I can't, can't, you know, start and stop the rapture. I don't have power for God. Even healing, I pray for him to do these things. But there are things I can speak about my day that no one else can. I can say, this is going to be a good day. It's a day the Lord made. And I haven't seen the weather yet. I remember telling my children, and I tried to say this all my life, I create my own weather. Yes, I do. I'll never forget the story of an army um, sergeant, I believe, who had to go out in the pouring rain with a higher-ranking guy. And he's out there, and they're in the mud, and they're trying to um, fix some apparatus that's broken. And the higher-ranking guy is like whistling in the rain, and the mud is all around them, and the cake. And he says, what are you happy about? He said, don't you see? Look at this. Look at the mud on my hands, on my boots. Look at this. He said, I decide, the, the, uh, the whistling guy said, I decide whether I'm going to like this or hate it. Nobody controls it but me. From that day, I decided, okay, I'll never have another day saying, what's it like outside? Oh, cloudy, bad, overcast day. I'm going to have a bad day. A rainy, oh, cold, snowy, boiling hot. Oh, that's, that, that figures. No, I control my own weather. It might just be in this little circle right here, but I control it. This, in this weather, I am experiencing the hand of God. I'm going to experience the power and the favor of God. God is for me. This is going to be an incredible day. It's going to be an amazing day. God is good. I'm going to have expectation today. According to the word, I'm going to expect things in my mouth. Lord, I'm expecting today you'd lead me to someone who needs you. I'm expecting today I'm going to pray a prayer and you're going to answer it. I'm expecting today I'm going to feel your spirit in some notable way. I'm believing that. Who's making that happen? I am with my mouth. Come on, church. Hey, this is so important. It's more than just a little lesson. I want you to see this is a life change. It happened in my home. I'll never forget it. My mother began saying things about my dad that I know are not true. I promise you, it was not true. My dad was just a normal guy. He didn't know a whole lot of things. He worked for a railroad company, went down, and wasn't near the railroad at all, went downtown St. Louis. My mom would say about dad, your father can do anything. Your dad can do anything. Your father can do anything. He can Dad cannot fix that. Mom, it's broken. Your dad can do anything. He can fix it. Mom, okay, that, that's a flower that's dying. He can fix it. Okay. That's a car that's not working. He doesn't work on cars. Hey, your dad can do anything. I've seen my dad start to believe that and do that. Although, uh, there's a couple, there's a caveat. I'll never forget the toaster they took apart that was working because he could do anything. I heard it so many thousand times. I even want to ask the question, who is this strange man? My father. I want to know. Oh, my dad, you Bill Harple, yes. So the toast is apart. Dad's working on it. There's pieces of crumbling black, you know, toast that we clean off the, off the counter. Puts it back together. And it worked. And I said, Dad, what about these three bolts and the two screws? Oh, sometimes they put them. Those are extras. They put extra parts in there. <laughs> I said, I don't know if that works that way, but it's working, so whatever, I guess. Maybe they did put extras in there. (laughs) All right, stand with me. We're going to pray. We're going to pray and ask the Lord to have his way. 
I'm so glad I was able to share this time with you. I pray that long after you've forgotten this, that the Word of God won't be forgotten from your life. Oh, Lord, let there be a settling in my spirit. I'm fighting an evil world. It's a flood. Every commercial, every billboard, every person, every news, every internet, my phone, everything is a flood of ungodliness, Lord. Where can I find a refuge in this world except in your word? I find it. I run to your word. I run to your name and hide me there, Lord. Hide me from myself, Lord. You know, Lord Jesus, nothing is good inside of me. Nothing in me is good, Lord. You're the only great thing in me. I pray, Lord Jesus, help us to find your refuge, that hiding place, wrapping ourselves up and protecting ourselves in the word of God, the powerful, unchanging, unbroken, Word of God, heaven and earth will pass away and your words will never pass away. Bless your people, Lord. Prosper them. Let the hand of God be upon them, but mostly let them realize who they are in the word, I pray. In Jesus' precious name, bless you. Love you all. Have a wonderful evening. Protect you and keep you in Jesus' name.